Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Chris. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. For the people who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and the center you work for. No problem. It's good to be here, Forrest. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Arbor. I'm a partner at Green Acres Bowl in Green Acres, Florida, South Florida. Uh, about an hour north of Miami for those that aren't familiar with the area. I've been in the bowling industry. I've been a bowler since I was eight years old. I actually started bowling in my facility at eight years old and then took some part-time jobs as a teenager. Worked that my way up was a GM in 2007 and I received an equity stake in 2017. So it's been a long road and, uh, but it's been a good one. The bowling, bowling industry has been very good to me. Wow. That's awesome. So yeah. you, so the same center that you bowled in as a kid is now the one that you are a partner in? Yes, correct. That's so as a cool. child, I was active in a lot of different sports. Uh, baseball was one of my big ones. Mm -hmm. But then once I, I got involved with bowling with some friends and I, I just, mm -hmm. it, it became, it was just very natural for me. And, yeah. and it was also an individual sport because when you didn't have friends around, you could go and do it. So I, mm -hmm. I gravitated to it. That's awesome. Did you, did you ever imagine as a eight-year-old kid that you would be a partner in the No, I didn't. And it wasn't until later on that I even thought that I could be good at it. About 14, I think about 14, 15, when I started working there, I saw some of the other teen bowlers and realized that I was better than most and um mm -hmm. it kind of got me excited to try and get a tour card and make it as a bowler yeah um, but no i didn't think about it not in the beginning no wow and so the so you worked for the center is that where you've worked the entire time or did you have a career elsewhere or what is that arc? yeah good question no i have an it background for a lot of years i worked for a local palm beach county as a network administrator so that was really my it that was the career path that i was on bowling was always just a hobby and it wasn't until 2007 when i took it seriously and just fully dove in that's when i quit my job in information technology and took the, mm. the gm position here at green acres bowl Wow. And yeah. so now it's been what, uh, about 15 years then doing that? Yeah. 15, 16 years. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's been great. good. And we've done a lot. We've done a lot in that time frame. The owners are pretty hands-off. And so even the first to 10 years as GM, they pretty much gave me free reign to do mm -hmm. as long as it made sense from the business side. And, yeah. uh, and we were profitable. There was, they were pretty much hands-off. We've done a lot in 16 years. So. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. What some of the renovations or trends that you're seeing, what kind of stuff have you guys done? At so most recently is going to be getting into the games industry for your, we're a traditional center. We're a 60 lane split center. So we have 30 wow. lanes on each side. Yeah. yeah, it is. We don't have any of the boutiques. We don't have lanes sectioned off for a, a VIP area or anything. Going back a few years, we really focused on quality of food, bar atmosphere, lounge atmosphere to make sure people were enjoying themselves. We always focus on the experience. We just want our yeah. guests to have the best experience possible when they come to our facility. More recently, we've gotten into the games uh, business. Very lucrative. If any yeah. of your any of your customers, clients, if they lease their games, that's with a vendor or whatever kind of deal arrangement that they have. Mm -hmm. But if they can, if they have the opportunity to own and operate them themselves, it's it, they pay for themselves in, in about a year at wow. worst, maybe 18 months. Definitely seek out that information. And you do a redemption or? Yeah, so we're limited on space, but we do a small redemption and we utilize a prize hub for that. Most centers will have a, a redemption counter where they'll have a staff member there to right. redeem the prizes for the guests. But either way, I don't want to go too down that rabbit hole, but for the example, yes, it's a redemption arcade. It's small, but it's still very profitable. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that a lot. It sounds like it's compared to some of the other things out there, it might be an easier one to get started if you're moving in that FEC direction. And that's the great point. So I'm glad you brought that up. Utilizing mm -hmm. the technology with the prize hub. So that's your redemption counter is all just stuck in a vending machine. Utilizing your card swipes. We use Intercard. I know there's others out there, but utilizing the card swipe system. And really you can take your employees and it's hands off. And then you really just need to find someone that's technically savvy or so you can train to maintain the games and keep them up to date repair them as needed. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to buy them and then otherwise, if you're doing a rev share or a lease, then you 
you know, it's not your problem anymore. But, and yeah, you don't even need a ton of space. When we, when I first started working with one of my clients who has one, he had a bigger space and they were spread out and it felt less busy. And he actually condensed it and shoved them all in together and crammed. And it does a lot more business, believe it or not. People like that, I guess that busy, energetic feel, it did a lot better after that. Yeah, you, you learn as you go. And mm -hmm. uh, I agree I agree with you when we were designing the room and we're just shoving games on top of each other. This mm -hmm. is not conducive, but it works. And, yeah. and the people, it's funny when you look at it as a customer or consumer and you think that's not going to work, but then you, mm -hmm. you see what the masses deal with and it works very well. So you're yeah. right. You can do a lot with a small space. Right. Yeah. And it seems to do better than a bigger one. So yeah, it doesn't take much. So what are some other things that you guys have done as of late? We have some of the, the same upgrades that we try and do year over year, and we're constantly updating the flooring. We're mm -hmm. always throwing in new pins. We're trying to take care of the equipment, any equipment upgrades, the lane machines, et cetera. So things like that, just trying to keep our center up to date to provide the best. We redesigned our lounge in 2019. So mm -hmm. we actually knocked down a couple walls and we created the open concept to make it more inviting. We used to have yeah. the bars, the walled in. The regulars, the league bowlers knew where the bar was, but your new clients, maybe they would go in and even know we had a bar, you know? Right. So wow. we opened that space up. We knocked down some walls. We put in, I think, 23 TVs, a couple mm -hmm. pool tables, mm -hmm. and we're getting ready to expand our arcade into the, the lounge as well. So we're going to okay. be adding golden tea, maybe some pinball machines and things mm -hmm. of that nature but it's really just finding ways to make it like a cohesive just a place that all the energy flows through it and people want to stick yeah and like you said even that they know about it another podcast guest i talked to said that he uh, worked closely with the guy who started the main event okay. and he was doing some consulting with him and he said when he first walked in he's like i don't know all the stuff you have i can't even see the bar of the restaurant and so their big thing is you, when you walk in you should be able to see bowling ball laser tag whatever it is like when you first walk in you should be able to see the whole thing 180 degrees the point yeah and that's a problem that we have we're like i said mm -hmm. we're split 60 so it's 30 yeah. on each side but when you walk in i'll eat the front desk so mm -hmm. it's trying to get people to understand that there's a, a full restaurant behind that and a full yeah. lounge behind that so that and that's been our one of our goals over the years and so they have to walk through the whole split house or how do they get is there a separate entrance to the bar and restaurant or how's that now that we've remodeled it doesn't matter which side you walk down so if you walk down one through 30 or 31 through 60 you walk down the concourse you can't miss the diner because we opened up the walls there and you mm. can't miss the lounge because we opened it up so you, you can I easily see. flow through it yeah so the house exactly. kind of goes that way out, out exactly okay yeah, exactly and then and you remember it was, so our, our facility was built in 1977 and the bowling was a lot different back then. The, those walls in the middle of the, the concourse, they just ran all the way down. So if you were on mm -hmm. one side, you would never see anybody on the other side. That, that's the way it was designed. Right. And, uh, we really just been trying to open it up. Yeah. Especially if, uh, I don't know if you guys are moving in that direction of more open play bowling, but I feel like that's what they want to see is just more and families getting together. I don't know. It, it, are you guys seeing somewhat of a transition to that or are you more in the league play tournament stuff? So we've been lucky over the years. We've always been a good league center, mm -hmm. a strong league base, and we try to run as many tournaments as possible. But obviously the rest of the proprietors out there, we've seen that shift into open play, the demand for open play. Yep. We do a good job though, trying to uh, balance that out. Right. So you have to work with your league bowlers to make sure you give them exactly what they need. But then at the same time, you have to have those windows of opportunity for that open play and then change your specials accordingly to make sure that your open play guests come in and feel the same love that you extend to your league bowlers. So right. 
That's a very good balance. We have a good balance of doing that. But yes, we've definitely seen that even more so since the pandemic. We saw that we were watching that trend. We were losing about four and a half percent of our league bowlers every year over year. Wow. And we were gaining 12% on the open play side. You could just yeah. see that the, it was the shift was going. And then the, the pandemic happened and it just, after when that opened, just the floodgates came. So, and it really exposed everything that, that we could have done better technology and, and operations and efficiency. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so we've, we've learned a lot and we've been extremely lucky with uh, some of the, the operational changes we put in place. And we're just really lucky to be in a position where we are and, and be able to have both, but yes, mm -hmm. Open play is strong. It's yeah, and I think that's that's an interesting point that you make is that it's not just about the fact that the leagues are slow shrinking slowly because they are and people just get older and they don't make new sixty year old or forty five year olds, but just that the fact that the open play is growing so much more. Just it's the most accessible sport in the country, and you know, there's a big appetite for it. Getting back out in social situations, you just like you said, you just see an explosion of it. Yeah. And I've always focused on the youth. You know, it's always been my big thing. I used to keep, I used to keep track. I don't want to ruin any of these numbers, so I won't give exact numbers, but I used to look at the junior gold and this is mainly pre-pandemic. My thought process has really changed since 2020, but uh, mm -hmm. pre-pandemic, I would look at the junior gold entries every year to see where the health of, of our sport was. And when you would see those numbers continually tick up and tick up, that's where I made sure that we put a lot of emphasis on our youth program. So we mm -hmm. built our youth program. We have over hundred bowlers in our, our junior program on Saturday morning, which is phenomenal. At one point years ago, we were down to 17 or 20. It wow. was really bad. But focusing on your youth program, that brings in the parents, that brings in the parties. That's where you get your yeah. league bowlers from. Your youth bowlers will grow and turn into league bowlers. They bring mm -hmm. their friends. So really just focusing on what those trends are with your young customers and how to give them what they want so they feel like they're a part of your organization. That's mm -hmm. really what we've done. So what kind of stuff did you do to build that's pretty big growth, 5X? What have you done to foster that? For example, one big thing, I know this has been a talk and with USDC and with some of the proprietors, but the smart program. So we've doubled down on the smart program for junior bowlers mm -hmm. um, and we've advertised that like crazy. Mm -hmm. So when you go, another thing, and I'm not trying to pivot too much, but we are... Um, very active with local community here in the city of Green Acres. Okay. And we partner with all of the elementary schools in Palm Beach County and mm. middle schools, any school system. We support yeah. baseball teams, soccer teams, hockey teams, it does the football teams, whatever it is. So when you're active in your community, that's the first piece. And then the mm -hmm. second piece is explaining to them that kids can earn uh, scholarship money at any age in a sport that's handicapped for them. So if you look at the statistics, I'm not gonna give them, but I think people will understand what they are, but you look at the statistics of kids that try to get a baseball scholarship, football scholarship, soccer scholarship, and you're really, you gotta be in the top whatever percent to, to get right. those scholarships. You could be five years old, you're gonna compete on Saturday morning, you're gonna get handicapped against the other players and you have mm -hmm. a chance to start making scholarship money that's gonna sit there for you. Yeah. So we really advertised and we pushed that smart program and then we doubled down on it for a lot of years and we matched it dollar for dollar. Oh, so wow. if your child won 200, 300, $400 in a summer program or a fall mm -hmm. program, we would match that dollar for dollar if they chose a scholarship. Mm -hmm. yeah. That was a big piece. That was definitely a big piece. What kind of an investment is that for you guys? You mean, what, you mean how much or? Right, like, exactly. Yeah. I'm just curious so, if someone wants to do this, how much would they expect to, to put into a program like that? Yeah, it's going to, it's going to be based off of your, how many entries you have and how much mm -hmm. money you bring in. So at the time when we were doubling it, we were spending our overall prize fund, I believe was roughly $5,000. Okay. And then we were matching that dollar for dollar. So it was costing us about $5,000 so, Yeah, because we were paying out about 10,000 a year in total. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
small price to pay to, to invest in. Yeah. And then I knew when I tried to explain to, to our junior bowlers and their parents, I said, listen, mm-hmm. we're going to start this and we're going to do it. It was easier to do it when we were small. So when right. we only had 20 kids, it wasn't that big of a deal. When it grew, we got to, I think we stopped doing that at about 80. Once we got okay. up to about 80 kids, we said, listen, we can't afford to do this anymore. We do other incentives to take care of the youth program. We help yeah. out with sponsorships. We still generate money. We pay for them to go to tournaments. We pay for as much as we can. So we're always mm-hmm. giving back to the youth. That was just one piece to help it grow. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. What, what, what else did you do to, to promote it? It's, I guess you said outreach to the, in the community or how did, how did you get the kids involved or at least well, get the, the message one- out? The, the biggest piece is going to be your youth director. So who you task the job with communicating with those kids, parents, mm-hmm. and the community. We went out and found the, the perfect person at that time. And I will say this because we've been through a couple of youth directors. It's all about finding the right person at the right time. Mm-hmm. And then that job, it's very, it's a lot of work and the rewards aren't always there. So they have to be committed. You want to find someone that's got a kid in the youth program or two mm-hmm. kids in the youth program that's a fairly accomplished bowler, that's a good person, has good relationships. Mm-hmm. So we found... Um, a really good asset and he helped us get it going to where it is today. Unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. He's got his other, he's got other things to take care of. Sure. So we brought in a new youth director who is taking over now. So it's all about finding the right people at the right time to get your message out there. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. So what kind of other stuff have you guys done? It sounds like you've focused on the youth program. What else have you done to grow the center or keep moving in that direction? Wow. That's a pretty broad question. I can go, you know, a couple different ways for this. For us mainly, it's just community engagement. That's a big piece of it. We're always looking for ways to give back to our community. We just ran, so just a couple of weeks ago, we ran a, a VIB, what we call the VIB appreciation event. So mm-hmm. all of our league bowlers are called uh, very important bowlers and mm-hmm. that's our loyalty program. So our VIB bowlers earn 10% back on all their um, full price purchases throughout our facility. So it's just a okay. loyalty program for them to, to get 10% back and then they can yeah. use that 10%, same as cash throughout the facility. Okay. Um, so, cool. and we, we try to find different things that we can do to, to make our VIB bowlers feel like we appreciate that. We do weekly, there's a pizza frame, there's a mystery game for a free drink. Last year we did uh, what we called COVID relief. So mm-hmm. we put all of our teams from every league into one pool and then we pulled one team a week and we gave everybody on the team a $25 gift card. When you look at that season runs 36 weeks. So we gave out we have one league that's got five members on the team. So I think we gave, I think the total spend was like $3,800, but every week a team was chosen and they each received $25. And we called it just playing off the pandemic that we came out of. And then off of that idea to finish this season, we created a VIB appreciation event where I went out with some of my local business contacts that uh, we have some local businesses in the area that support us and mm-hmm. I support them as well. And we received uh, a bunch of gifts and donations and it was all about getting the, the our league bowler the opportunity to come out and bowl uh, for, I wanted it to be for free, but you have to charge something. So it was only $10, but we gave out, you know, 46 different prizes. I think we gave out on the day, I think we gave out over $5,000 and cash prizes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just a handicap event, three-day event. Mm-hmm. So it's just all about just community engagement and making sure our business is in line with the views of our community and with our customers. Those are really the things that we do. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. I like, so it's almost like a, a big event that you had then for that, I guess, tournament or what exactly was it? Yeah. So I didn't want to make it too, you, you want to make it inclusive so that your, your high average bowlers or your tournament bowlers, if you want to refer to them as that also your, your weekend warriors that just come out and they want to just mm-hmm. bowl three games and enjoy themselves. And then we have seniors too. So we have our daytime bowlers 
So we wanted to make it handicapped. We didn't want to, we wanted to be also, it's just a three game event. I, I explained, we explained it to them. It's just a league. You're just going to come out on Sunday and bowl mm-hmm. three games. We're going to deal with the handicaps. You don't worry about that. But we did 90% of 230. We got a lot of the scratch wow. bowlers to come out because we, we opened up different incentives. We had somebody run all the side action you can imagine. Regular brackets, reverse brackets, Nassau's, eliminators, you name it, blind doubles. We were running all that. So the scratch yeah. bowlers knew they could show up and spend money and make money in the side pots. Mm-hmm. Your handicap bowlers knew they were just coming out to have a good time. And there were these donation raffle prizes that they could win. Your weekend warriors that wanted to come out and have a few cocktails, they knew they could do that and have mm-hmm. a good time. And when you looked at the payouts or the top 24 that cashed, it was just a complete mix of mm-hmm. styles of bowlers. And the scratch guys didn't win. And the top five, I think we had a 230 average bowler, a 180 average bowler. It was just, it was great. So yeah. uh, it was well-received, first of all. And all of our league bowlers loved the event. They can't wait mm-hmm. for us to run another one. And you, the, 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 the prize money and the, the gifts and everything was just distributed evenly. And that's how everyone's going to have a good time and they're going to come back. So we capped it this year. This year we capped it at 120 entries because we could put that easily on one side. Yeah. Um, With the demand, we may increase that next year. So we'll see, but it's going to be something we're going to try and make an annual event. So that's what we're working on. That's cool. So now as far as leagues go, are you mostly like a sanctioned league or you do some social leagues or what have you seen in that area as of late? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question too. For the if you add in the daytime leagues that we have, because most of the daytime leagues are not sanctioned, okay. but it's not that they couldn't be. So our our center is a sanctioned center. Right. We certify our center every year with you, and we give our leagues the option if they want to sanction or not. We don't dictate. The one thing that I don't like to do is I don't like to dictate to my leagues how they have to operate. Sure. So we've always given them. We sit in on the meetings and we advise them on which directions they can mm-hmm. go. But the social leagues that's a big piece. We haven't been able to kick them back off since the pandemic. But pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. one of our best leagues was a called Survivor, which I Mm -hmm. actually inherited from somebody that I highly respect that brought me into this industry. But she ran a league called Survivor and it was given to me. And then I took it and added things to it. And that it was exactly that. It was a short session league. Mm -hmm. So it would run for, I want to say about 12 or 14 weeks. And we would run it from like late August all the way up until Thanksgiving. And then we would take Thanksgiving and the holidays off, and then we would kick it back off in January and run it into late April or early May. Yeah. And uh, you don't have enough time in your podcast for me to explain it to you, but the the easiest way I'll tell you is just because you have the most points in the league doesn't mean you're going to win the league. Because just like the show Survivor, a team gets voted off every week. And then so you keep bowling. And then yeah. there's a reinstatement challenge so you can get back in and there's team versus team challenges. There's individual challenges, the individual jackpot. I mean, yeah. it, if you can think of your like Saturday night moonlight bowling, but twisted into a league that ran for mm-hmm. 10 or 12 weeks, that's what we created. And yeah. it's still the most asked about and requested really? league for us <laughs> to bring back. Very unorthodox. It's not by the book at all, but that's what you're, but again, the key, so as I as we have this conversation here, and we're talking about you know, my center, Southeast Florida. I mm-hmm. know you you have a center on the East Coast and you're working off the East Coast, but to the proprietor in South Dakota, to the proprietor in North California or mm-hmm. Oklahoma, it's you really have to understand your demographic, your customer right. base, and what because if I was somewhere else, I might have been doing a rodeo league or anything right. like that. So it's really just understanding your demographic, your customer, what they need, what their needs are, and, and that's where you get the best out of everything. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm all about social leagues. It's a big thing. Yeah. I've seen certain ones work, like you said, better in other spots. But if, like, like you said, at the end of the day, it's about giving them kind of an option to say, what do you guys want to do? And then having a, a spot to do that. Because that is the one thing. The flexibility is nice. The shorter time frame that you're only committing 
to 12 to 15 weeks rather than 30. And then I've seen other things work where you have almost like a, a substitute. You have maybe a five or six man team and you can sub in as you want. I think it's appealing to a little bit broader range and kind of like we were going back to the open place. It's just a bigger market. So you can just get more people involved if you open that and make it accessible to them. I've seen a lot of success with the, at the centers that we work with, like more of a social, they call it a drinking league with a bowling problem and yeah. just that kind of thing. People really, that becomes their night out. They really, and it's become yeah. the most, the, the busiest and highest grossing because they, if they're drinking more, they're spending more, they're probably going to eat. And as far as a revenue standpoint, it's your best bang for your buck. Yeah. One thing I love to do is show how you can intertwine your high average bowlers and your weekend warriors and get mm -hmm. them in the same event and make everybody happy. And that's yeah. what the survivor league did. We would have mm -hmm. jackpots that would pay out a couple thousand dollars, you know, mm -hmm. they would roll out over weeks or whatever. And then, but your weekend warrior, maybe they don't even get in the jackpot, but they like right. to watch the action. So yes. there's something for everybody. And that's the idea mm -hmm. is understanding, wait, it's not about, oh, I want to run a scratch league. Oh, I want to run a fun league. You can run both. You can do mm -hmm. both. And then when you figure that out, that's the gem right there. Yeah. So. so staying in the theme of that, do you guys do offer anything else to attract people? You said you have the redemption arcade, you have the bowling. Some people will do like an ax throwing or you have your restaurant. Is there other concentric circles you guys are adding to appeal to a broader? At this time, no. All, we have billiards tables, so you can come in and shoot some yeah. pool. Obviously mm -hmm. we have the arcade, we have a meeting room. So we try and we were trying to focus more on doing uh, some corporate team building events. That was yeah. a big piece. Yeah, exactly. Especially mm -hmm. in our demographic. So finding those right. businesses want to bring out 20 people, do a little sales meeting, a little bowling pizza, mm -hmm. et cetera, but no. We've looked at adding things such as a miniature golf laser. Really for us, the demand for bowling has just been so strong. We haven't right. had the, the, the need to, because for us, if we're going to do anything like that, we have to take out lanes and we're not opposed right. to that. And we mm -hmm. actually considered that with the arcade. On a five-year plan, we were looking at, okay, let's start with a small arcade and then we maybe we'll take some lanes out and expand it mm -hmm. because we only have, I think like 20, 23 or 24 pieces in our arcade. We'd like right. to get on the 60s to 70 piece setup. We're going to need 4,000, 5,000 square feet to do that. Yeah. So we've looked at that, but we're still pretty much a traditional bowling center, leagues, tournaments, family fun. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to a few different people about that. It's, it comes down to how sold out of your leagues. Can you fit them into a smaller space? Some you can, some you can't. And then what's your profit per square foot or your, your revenue per square foot on yep. some of those areas? Because bowling takes up a lot of space, some of these <laughs> other things. But if your leagues are sold out and it justifies, then, you know, it's just yeah. a tough decision. But again, going back to the area demographics, I and mean, we've been lucky again, there's one major corporate player in our market and uh, you can't find a private center for a long way. Right. And and then we just lean into that. Mm -hmm. So I've been going out and acquiring some of the best managers. We added the a director of bowling position to, to, to help give back from the knowledge aspect of the sport itself. So the league bowlers that want to take a lesson attend the clinic, test the demo, the latest uh, equipment from Storm or Brunswick. Or, so we're trying to separate ourselves from the competition just to give back to that bowler. And those are the ways we're making those changes to key on the leagues. We have a Thursday night league that for the past, I don't know, as long as I can remember, there've been more than 50 teams. Wow. When you think about that, you got a mm -hmm. Thursday night with, it's just, it's incredible. And that's, and then I'm going to say this too, because it's not just my center. So I don't want to take that credit, but there's two, if you look it up, you can look it up in Palm Beach County, there's two leagues on the same night within mm -hmm. 30 miles of each other that have over 50 teams. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's the league bowling is still strong here. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, yeah, that definitely gives you a different perspective. Some of the people I have are just ripping out lanes left and right. 
but that's because they don't have the league bowlers. That's a different position. Yeah. When I don't want to, I don't want to speak for people. I can just say that for me being in the same establishment since I was eight years old, do you mm -hmm. build that relationship with your community? So yeah. it may be easier for us to build the leagues the way we want them mm -hmm. and, and to get that revenue stream and keep that demand there. If let's, I'll put it this way. If a new owner came in and bought our center, they might struggle keeping the leagues or, yeah. or keeping that. And, and I think that's it. I think sometimes mm -hmm. the industry has shifted to that entertainment in certain areas too fast. So we've been yeah. able to hold on. So we're holding on to that traditional uh, bowling revenue as yeah. long as we can. Right. Yeah. When look at you, the, the competitor you mentioned, they tend to do that pretty quickly and uh, they tend to find a new home <laughs> relatively quickly as well. Yeah, it's easy to keep doing the things that you do very well mm -hmm. and seeing. Exactly. <laughs> so let's shift gears. We're talking about what's working today. What about for the next three to five years? I like to look at a future outlook. Yeah. Where, where do you see things going? Yeah, so for us, that arcade project is gonna is probably going to happen. I think that in the next three to five years, we'll see that demand for bowling start to slow a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to see that demand for different attractions grow. I, I, I don't want to... Don't quote me, it's not happening tomorrow, but right. I would say that three to five years, we're probably going to remove some lanes when we have mm -hmm. the availability to do. We're going to expand our arcade. And uh, we've also looked at some other attractions. We're not really sure yet, maybe a miniature golf course or something that we can add the, the ROI on mm -hmm. a per square foot basis. So yeah. uh, that's really where it's at. Because as far as the industry now pivot, let's just say for my, this is my personal take on the industry uh, you know, as a whole is that mm -hmm. your social media has helped in a lot of ways. Now, I'm, personally, I'm not a big fan of social media, but for mm -hmm. businesses and for what happens with social media, it's actually been a good thing for our industry. And here's my, if you look at a lot of the pro bowlers or any bowler, for, for example, when they do something or they have an accomplishment on the lanes or they're enjoying themselves or having a good time, mm -hmm. boom, you get the selfie. And if, if centers are smart, they're putting in step and repeats at the front door so they can get that traffic on their social pages. And then now we took the, the sport and it's right in everyone's, you know, home, it's in their living room. And if you're a young bowler and you're into bowling, you have a, you can directly connect with your, with a professional or someone in your area and you can get feedback. So the reason I bring all that up is because the entertainment side is now tying in with that traditional bowler and we're starting to see that. And just as I spoke to about trying to get your scratch bowler and your weekend warrior to come together and bowl in the same event or in the same league. That's happening automatically. Like we can help it, but it's, it's really starting. You see that trend is just, it's going in that direction. So with us, we know that we can be a little more strategic with what we do with our facility. So when we do remove lanes, we're going to have a good plan of what we're going to do and how we're going to get that money back. But you can see the industry, the entertainment and the traditional bowlers are coming together. And I see it, it nothing but positive things for the industry moving forward. Interesting. So you're, when you're coming together, you're saying something like a forum or they're just the events that are made or what it's, how are they coming together? Well, I guess what I'm saying is just like naturally, let's, let me put it in a different way. Let's see if this works. So locally, if I'm speaking to my, my customer base, if the league bowlers are always, there's a little friction against the open play bowl, right? So right. if I'm bowling in league right here, I don't want mm -hmm. the open play people next to me. It's gotta be serious, no music. Yeah. You know, I want, I'm focused. That was a decade ago. That was right. a big deal. As we've, as life has evolved and society has evolved now, you're getting those bowlers that want to come in, have a few drinks. It's their night out. Maybe it's husband, mm -hmm. wife, or it's two couples, husband, wives, whatever the kids are with mom, whatever the story is. But now when you tie them into that or that league where there's your high average bowlers, 
So they're not as, there's not as much friction, right? You're starting okay. to see your better bowlers are a little bit, they're, they're more calm and they're accepting of all the other customers in the facility. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I was saying. Now, I think that all of your bowlers understand, or at least all of our bowlers understand, look, we're going to cater to you and give you everything that we can, but we're also going to tell you when we have to tell you, because we yeah. have to cater to this other market as well. Yeah. And this other market is going to pay let's say different. I don't want to use the word more or less. They're just going to right. pay a different amount for a different experience. Sure. Maybe that experience or that, that amount they pay is going to generate a better ROI for us. And then in turn, what are we going to do with that money? We're going to upgrade the facility that you mm. love so much and come back to. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. now you start to, once you can explain that to your customers, mm. listen, one hand washes the other. We're all here to do the same thing. So yeah. it's not anyone against anyone. It's just, we have to share. The, so with that being said, it allows you, if you can get your customer base to, to understand that, that methodology of what we're trying to accomplish here, they're more open to the changes. I 10 see. years ago, if I told you, Hey, Forrest, I'm going to rip out 10 lanes and put it in an arcade. Yeah. I might lose like half my league. Pitchforks. They're like, yep. They're like, Hey, this guy doesn't care about league bowling. We're out. You know, yeah. we're going to the guy down the road. The industry has changed and evolved so much. And especially post pandemic that I think that everyone's more accepting of these changes now. So as long yeah. as they know that, listen. My bowling center is still, they still care about me. They care about my leagues. They care about tournaments. They care about, yes, they're going to make some changes because that's what the business is demanding. And, and so the, mm. I guess that's what I'm saying is that I see that gel happening on a nationwide level. And some areas are going to be sooner than others. South Florida has a lot's going on down here. So right. we're always on the cutting edge, but I used to fear that transition. Some years ago, I was like, man, how do we get, how do we stay profitable and then not lose this core demographic right. that we've built? Like, yeah. it, but it's not going to be a problem. Mm. I'm not scared anymore. That's Everything really cool. it's, it's, it's really going to, it's really shaping up to be great. And the, yeah. the next, so three to five, I'm super excited. Mm. So now is that like a, it sounds like it's something that you've really built like a relationship with your leaguers, maybe the, the secretary or the league president, or is that just a conversation you've had with them? Or that sounds almost like a leadership that you've taken to, because not everybody has that point of view. And it sounds like you've been able to explain, hey, we still care about you. And this is actually going to help you. Just trust me. I'm yeah, I step out in front, hands-on in my center. I secretary leagues. I used to run mm -hmm. the Survivor League with my wife. We ran it every Tuesday night for yeah. years, many years. My bowlers have my cell phone number. They call mm -hmm. me. It's you really, you, you got to put yourself out there. You got to be committed. You got to put yourself out there and you got to handle things the right way. So when I say something, they know that I mean it. When I tell them that their concerns are being heard and we're working on it, then they trust me and they believe in me. When your track record speaks for itself and your actions speak louder than words. So I don't say anything mm -hmm. and they know that. And some, listen, you can't make everybody happy. So I don't want to sit right. here and paint this pretty picture. Of course. Everyone yeah. loves me. That's not the case. I, mm -hmm. I have a lot of enemies out there, I'm sure. But at least the people People know that I stand by my word and, and I do right. what's right for my company and my customers. We do things. We always have a league secretaries meeting once a year. So mm -hmm. we invite all the secretaries and presidents in, talk about the center, the business changes, upgrades, where we're going, pricing, et cetera, get them out in front of it. And if you can build that great relationship with your secretaries, because they're, they're your liaisons to your, I mean, that's your direct right. line link to your, your customer right there. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I don't want to say get them on your side. I just want to make sure that they have a full understanding of where you're coming from and what you're trying to do. So right. if they like it or not, they can explain, okay, I know you heard this drama, but here's exactly what Chris is saying. This is mm -hmm. exactly what the business is doing. And here's why like it or not. And that's it. I'm always thinking I'm, my mind's always in my business. I'm always trying to make sure that everyone's included at all times with every decision that we make. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite a testament. That's pretty cool. Almost yeah. masterclass in community building. I wouldn't go that far. You can say that. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay, so uh, a couple specific questions I like to finish sure. out with because we're nearing our time 
is how are you guys handling recruiting right now? Staffing seems to be uh, a big issue for a lot of people. What yeah. are you guys doing? I, you haven't mentioned it yet, so I don't know if maybe it's not a problem for you, but what do you no, guys do for that? Anything and everything. We've really, I hate to throw that at you, man. We've tried just about everything that you can. Personally, these are okay. These are always just our personal experiences. We've tried some of the uh, recruiting software out there. I won't name any of the companies, but for our industry, it doesn't yield the best results. I'll just mm -hmm. put it that way. You find people that are skilled, but it does, it's not right. With us, it, honestly, it's just, it's word of mouth. And that's really what it comes from. We've always tried to hire maybe teenagers that either bowl in a youth program or you got to find someone that has a connection to your business. That's what yeah. we've, that's how it's been our key. Find someone mm -hmm. with a connection to your business that wants to be there. And yeah. when you find that, then you show them, Hey, this is why we do what we do. And this is what we're here to do. And it's all about the culture. Luckily we've built an amazing culture. And that was the, that's the worst thing that happened through the pandemic. Like we can lose the business and the revenue and we can make more money. We can figure that out. But mm -hmm. our team, we lost a lot of our team. Yeah, and I'm talking about people that we hired them when they were 14, 15 years old. And then mm -hmm. they went through college and then they were in their early twenties and still work for us. And that's knowledge and experience that you can't plug into a new hire. So yeah. those middle managers that knew the, the business inside and out, they knew the way I thought, they knew the way our management mm -hmm. team, how we dealt with things and you lose that. So right. it's a big hit for the, the industry. For us, what's been is really just finding people that are either dedicated to the sport, they love the sport, they want to be in your facility. And then you, you just teach them the culture and, mm -hmm. and create that fun family atmosphere. Because even like my team, I call them my family. That, they have to be. If your management team and your staff, if they're not part of you, your business is going to suffer and right. they're not going to feel included. Luckily, with the, a lot of the push from the open play, revenue has been decent and we've been able to get you know mm -hmm. back. I don't want to, we're floating again. After the pandemic, we were in the red for a long time, but we're getting yeah. out of that. So we've been able to uh, get out in front of some of the raises and we've, so we, we've been giving out raises and we pay a little bit better than some of the other uh, small businesses in our community. And okay. one big thing that we just turned on last month that we just activated a 401k plan for our, for our staff. So that's mm -hmm. an, anyone that works there. I won't go into details on the plan, yeah. but we're always looking for ways to add incentives and just give people a reason to want to work there. I try to explain like, look, we sell family fun. There's no reason you can't come here, get a paycheck and have a good time at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. So. You guys have multiple centers or that plan is just cover a single center. So we used to have multiple centers. Currently we only have one. We're always looking to expand them. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Cause usually you see a break point at three centers or so is typically when they start to get that stuff. And those are, and that's uh, like you said, that's, we understand the market that we're in and we're trying to mm -hmm. do, you got to Cause businesses have to compete too, you know, we're, right. we're so we're competing for staff and mm -hmm. we're competing for customers at the same time. But yeah. Just knowing your demographic and doing everything you can. Mm -hmm. But we, like I said, we do it with culture. We try and just, we make it a fun environment, the place that you want to come to work. Right. You know? But we still struggle and not, it's not easy, but we're close. We're, mm -hmm. we're really close now. We're doing really well. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it, it follows actually, I, I do a seminar uh, or a, a webinar on staffing and that yeah, hits a lot of the points is using your culture and branding as the cool place to work can help you compete because like you said, you're competing for, there's more jobs than people. They're not just going to come out of nowhere. You got to give them a reason to pick you over somebody else. So the yep. two, two big keys.
Yep, that's it. And luckily, when we get people that that buy in to what we do, they stay mm -hmm. for a long time. And yeah. that's how that's how it's working. When I look at my staff that I had pre-pandemic and the ones that I don't have now, they're off doing great things because they're amazing people, and that's what you want them to do. And right. I'm not bitter about any of that. I love them. But just seeing the progression of those staff members, that's that proves that the, the system works. When people buy into it, it yeah. works, and they stay for a mm -hmm. long time. And that's the best way to solve your staffing issue is you know to have retention because that's less people that you have to hire and train and onboard and less interviews because you don't need as many people. That's you know, the first thing is fix the, the whole. Yeah, exactly. It's cheaper to, it's, I don't want to use the same It's cheaper to keep them. Once you get them in, you don't want to have to replace them. That's right. not good. One thing we've always tried to do is we hire for attitude, hire mm -hmm. for character and attitude because you can teach someone to work the front desk. You can right. teach someone to work in the diner, but you can't teach someone how to be, you can't teach mm -hmm. someone how to smile. So those are the simple things that, that, that we put a lot of weight on is just who yeah. are you as a person? We can teach you what you need to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's great. So the next one I have is what's your biggest ch uh, challenge then today for your center? What's biggest difficulty to overcome at this point? We've gone through COVID. We've had some staffing, some shortages of supplies. What, what's the biggest challenge that you see? I'm going to say, um, really just getting up to speed with technology. Let's go there. Cause that's where it's going to be. We get so busy now on the weekends and we have two hour waiting lists on Friday and Saturday mm -hmm. night. So really just understanding taking a look back and self-reflection on the business as far as what our operations all look like and how that experience is for the customer and the, the staff employee at the front desk, checking right. someone in. So just identifying any roadblocks and anything we can do to streamline that. So one mm -hmm. thing that we're going to do is we currently do not have an online reservation system that we are getting ready to put one in. We're probably going to have to wait until after the summer to get that project completed because of just how busy we are. We can't take that task on right now. So late August, we're looking at upgrading our, our system. I don't want to mention any companies. I don't know who supports who, but regardless, mm -hmm. we're upgrading the current provider that we have. We're not changing and we're going to a web reservation system. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And we're hoping that will help. So really for us, is just, we wanted to get a, a hands-free or a online, what's the word, platform for ordering food, for example. So after the pandemic, people, everyone would go cashless and this mm -hmm. and that, whatever. So we worked with a partner to set up an online platform. So if you walk into a facility or at lane 12 and you want to order a pizza, you can grab from your phone, do, 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 mm -hmm. do, you can pay pizza shows up. That's so really awesome. just overcoming those hurdles and, and getting the center up to, up to date with technology to give that experience to the consumer. Because when you think of, we're on Zoom right now, I think in 2019, I would say most of the people out there didn't know what a Zoom is. Now right. every grandmother's Zooming with their grandkids, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's what's going on. So if you look at the way that the, the society's evolved since then, it's just everything happens so fast. So the businesses that maybe weren't ready, they're getting left behind. So yeah. it's, you've got to really get out front and communicate and be ready to rock and roll. So we're trying mm. to do that. Yeah. Mm. So, that, so really technology, that would be my biggest fears is staying up with technology, mm -hmm. keeping us relevant and keeping our operations streamlined. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like all the major players are really putting some effort into that. We're both going to Expo coming up here soon. And I'd say yeah. that's going to be one of the, probably the biggest things that they push forward is the technology. Yeah. It's. It was always, uh, in the past, it was always like, I see you can help, but I don't really need it. Or I do right. it this way. And it was easy to say, oh, next year, next year is here. Right. It's like, now what are you doing? Cause exactly, you're yeah. running out of time. <laughs> and then the other thing is you're going back to staffing. 
if, if a staff member knows they can go work for XYZ Corporation and they're going to use this POS software, they're going to do this, they're going to log in there, track their hours, et cetera, et cetera. So everything is all now, whether on a smartphone or whatever, then mm -hmm. they come and try and work for you. And they're like, wait a minute, you still do it this way? Or right. why don't we use this? Like everyone else has these tools. Where are your mm -hmm. tools? And, and, and that's really... Yeah. You don't want to get left behind. Luckily with my IT background, I've always kept us like at the back of the pack, but at least we were in the pack. And now we're just, now we're trying to push, like we got to go. So we're, yeah. we're really trying to get out there. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Maybe I'll make a, a webinar on that next. Cause I've talked to a few people with some really cool technology solutions and it, it's, it, you have to talk to the right proprietor. Cause some people are made a decision. I'm not going to do it. Maybe my kids will do it kind of thing, or they're just, they, they're happy where they're at. But for yeah. someone like you, or maybe the next generation taking over, I think there's they the industry could benefit a lot from a technology upgrade and it's not super expensive it just takes hey let me just try this real quick there's some great tools out there by some great companies and really what's going to happen is in a couple of years the proprietors that didn't take advantage of it and didn't upgrade they're they're mm -hmm. going to realize that they made a mistake and i right. think that's really what it's going to boil down to and it's sad if they yeah. get stuck in that because the industry is changing and it's you got to yeah. you got to get there you got to get right. there yeah, and it's not just the industry, it's the, the world. The industry is just part of it, you know? Right. Exactly, yeah. That's it, because there are customers too. Exactly, yeah, that's great. So, so uh, last question I have is just the number one piece of advice you would give to a proprietor. If you could tell anyone who's either getting into the into the industry, opening up their first center, or maybe you know, open up a second location, what would be the, your number one piece of advice? Community engagement. It's that simple. We work hand in hand, like I said, with the city of Green Acres and with Palm Beach County. We attend meetings. We go to the, the council meetings. Just you have to have your ear to the streets in your community and know what your community's needs are. I think if you can show that you're there to support the community, they're going to support you. That, that's really where it is. And especially more the proprietor that owns one or two locations, because those corporations, they don't do it that way. And, and, right. and that's, we still Communities need that support. Yeah. So community engagement, that's the key for me. That, that's, that's been it. Yeah. I like that. It's almost, I've seen it work in both directions. It's almost like the winds at your back. If you do have that, everything seems to work for you. You get a little bit more out of everything. Yeah. There's a lot of free advertising in that too. And you take part in some of the, the events that your community puts on the free events at parks mm -hmm. and things like that, and donations for schools and free game passes for schools and kids just showing that your, your business is here for the community, the rewards will just still be there. Yeah. <laughs> You'll reap the benefits in no time. Yeah. And not only that, because we do advertising and marketing for some clients and it, whenever you have that community engagement, the stuff that you do just goes further. It's like an yep. extender of the stuff you have. Like I said, wind at your back that people will put comments or they just engage with it more if they like you and they know you stand for. So it just amplifies. If you do spend a little on advertising, it goes even further. Yeah. Building your brand. It's the same right. thing. You're building mm -hmm. your brand, but you're building your brand within your community and that local mm -hmm. market instead of trying to build your brand wherever else that you think you're going to build. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Cause you yep. still got a bowling person. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's a good, I'm stealing that line. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, coming up on time here. I really appreciate you taking the time, Chris. If people ever want to get in touch with you, I know you have some things you're working on in the background with the industry. If the, people want to get in touch with you or reach out with questions, what's the best way to, to get in touch? Just email me. That's okay. my name at gatorbowling.com. Chris Arbor okay. at gatorbowling.com. I, I am always you know, responding to that. You found me. So <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yeah. Just shoot me an email. And I, I try and stay active on you know, our social media platforms. I do try to help other proprietors. I'm in the mm -hmm. forums on the social media platforms and try to reach out and help. 
and I've had some private discussions with providers across the country to help them with their needs. I've been very lucky and fortunate to be in this industry. It's taken care of me and I love giving back to it. And I think that's some of the reasons that have pushed me to join the BCAA and try to work closely with the BPAA. Yeah. Anytime, just give me an email. Yeah. Thank you. It's very generous of you. And I, I can attest yeah. that that's true. Very good. Thank you. Cool. Well, thanks again for coming on, Chris. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Thank you. Have a great day.